Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It is Tuesday, April 13th. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Tuesday. And it is a nice start with the Grizzlies getting a big victory to start the week after, you know, a pretty disappointing weekend. The offense continued to play great over the weekend. It's just the defense was a bit lackluster, especially late in the game. Well, last night, it was a reverse of fortunes. Overall, the offense struggled a bit to start the game, but the defense did its job throughout but the offense did take over when it needed to in the final five minutes of the game to get a big come behind victory, come from behind victory against the Bulls, a 101-90 victory. What was a good victory for the Grizzlies? A needed one for Memphis. Yes, they lost you know, after a great start to April. They had lost two. They now win another one. So overall, 5-2 and two in April, that, that's a great start. You'll take that all day long. It was just nice to see that they won, and the way that they won was also impressive. We'll get into that in the first segment of the show. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about a bit about another really encouraging trend about this Grizzlies defense that is fun to see. It's really fun to see this trend continue to develop over the season, and this type of trend is what will allow for them to continue to do well in the play, in the stretch run and potentially in the playoffs as well. And then the third segment, I'm going to talk about a bit, okay, so we look at, you know, we know what each of the Grizzlies starters is known for, what their strengths is, but how does their strength, when they produce in terms of their main strength, when they do what they do, like for instance, when Jonas gets a double-double or Ja gets 10 assists, how does that correlate with the Grizzlies winning? We'll look at that as well in the third segment. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. You can find the podcast wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. And we'll ask that you listen, subscribe, review. Let us know what you think of the show. We certainly want to make sure that we're always providing content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. We also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by our title sponsor, Locker Room, the Locker Room app. Changing the way we talk about sports, my show Let's Talk Grizzlies each week via the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Typically is Thursdays at 8. However, it will be this weekend. I'll give an updated time later being out of town. I'll probably do it either Saturday night or Sunday once we arrive back home. Me and my wife have taken a trip to the beach this weekend, but I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to talk Talk Grizzlies basketball why we were here. So the Grizzlies, a 101-90 to victory over the Bulls. And of course, it got to a slow start, right? You know, at the, at the end of the first quarter, the Grizzlies and Bulls both had struggled quite a bit. You know, the score was 22-22. to So not a big, you know, offensive outburst like we'd seen the Grizzlies, who in April had gotten back to like they had done several times in the first half of the season, scoring over 30 points tonight, shooting the three well, really being able to find some good offensive success. This started off as a a defensive struggle, and it continued throughout the second quarter. At one point, the Bulls were able to take charge. A big reason why is because the Grizzlies just could not stop Daniel Th- Daniel Thies, who I believe had like I believe five out of six, five out of the Bulls six um, buckets at one point to end the first and begin the second quarter. But the Grizzlies were able to charge back. Dylan Brooks was a big reason for that. The Grizzlies overall were able to find their stroke, find some success, and they were able to take the lead at halftime, forty eight. To 17. But in the third quarter, the Bulls actually, the Grizzlies actually struggled once again, something that we had not been used to seeing. They lost the third quarter overall 27 to 22, which was hard to believe. The Grizzlies are one of, if not the best, third quarter teams in the league this season. And though they've been better in the first half, where they've really had their calling card is the third quarter. That's usually when they're able to take the lead and move ahead for good in games. But tonight, that was not the case. The, the, the Bulls were ahead by four 
after the third quarter. And so the Grizzlies and Bulls continued to go back and forth for the fourth quarter, and it just came down to who was going to get the offensive stroke, who was going to really find the success that they needed to find. And that's exactly what the Grizzlies did. At the 7.05 mark, the Bulls, uh, Thomas um, Sadoransky scored a two-point basket to make the score 83-81 to Chicago. At that point, the Grizzlies then went on a, let's see, they, they basically went on a 20-8 to run. And the Bulls only scored, they did not score their next basket for another three and a half minutes. So you remember what we've talked about as far as this Grizzlies team when it comes to their ability to get these stops, to go through these long stretches where they don't allow points or allow a few points, it stood out once again. The Grizzlies went nearly three and a half minutes and actually went a total of about five and a half minutes. They went nearly three and a half minutes without allowing the Bulls to score a point and then also went a a total of five and a half half minutes with uh, allowing the Bulls to score only six points once again in the second half and this is like the sixth or seventh time the Grizzlies have done it they did it against the Heat they did it against Houston they've done it several other times they've used the capability of stopping their opposition from scoring for long stretches to really take advantage of being able to come back in these games and when they were down 83 to 81 with seven minutes left they responded with a 20 to 8 run to end the game but beyond the long stretch of time in which they're not allowing their opposition to score. The other big thing that this Grizzlies team was that they were able to score within five minutes. You know, I had talked about just yesterday when it came to the clutch, the Grizzlies' inability to score in the clutch this season, even though they're 11 and 12, now 12 and 12 on the season when they're um, within five points of their opposition with five or less minutes left in the game, the offense overall has struggled. It's been the defense that stepped up. But tonight, the offense complemented the defense. I believe the Grizzlies were, they made four free throws and were five of their last seven field goals, including two threes in the final five minutes of the game. A big step up from where they had been. You know, coming into to last night's game, Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks, John Morant, and Kyle Anderson, all four of them were a negative 20 in clutch moments during the season. And last night, they were able to step up. Well, at least Jonas, Kyle, and Ja did, um, you know, with Kyle um, you know, not get, not being as productive in the second half. But that's the key about it, is that this Grizzlies team was able to go back what was it, what was successful for it. They were able to use their defense and get that long stretch of stops in the second half, which has really helped them be able to beat, you know, good to better teams than them this season. They were able to score in the clutch, which is something that they have not been consistent with at all this season, and that's what allowed for them to get the victory. You know, usually the Grizzlies have these 20-8, to 8, you know, 15-5. to 5. They usually have these big big runs at the end of the third quarter and then they're able to salt away the victory in the fourth well tonight it was getting the it was is taking care of business in the final five minutes and that's what made this victory so good they were able to win that way after two games over the weekend in which the Grizzlies inability to play well in clutch time cost them the victory it obviously did on um uh, Friday night with the Knicks coming back, mainly free throws were the reason why the Grizzlies weren't able to win that. And then on Sunday night, the big thing for the Grizzlies is, is that they just could not ever get that short spurt they needed to come back against the Pacers. But the other big thing that stands out as well 
is obviously the production of Jonas Valanciunas. Yes, Dylan did well in the first half. Jaw had another game in which he had 10 assists, but Dylan, but uh, Jonas Valanciunas last night set the record for the most consecutive double-doubles in franchise history. Now, as I've stated, and we'll look at this a bit in the third segment, I've stated before, what Jonas Valanciunas does well, he is incredibly good at. It's just, in my opinion, what he does, what, what ex- the things that he is good at, that's not incredibly influential on winning. Yes, the numbers may suggest that. That should not take away how spectacular he is at what he does. And that certainly fits a role for the Grizzlies because it allows for them to consistently be in that rebounding mix. They're never behind too far. And a lot of several times, obviously, they get a clear advantage when it comes to the rebounding thanks to Jonas Valanciunas. And it shined through last night. But the big thing about last night as well was his scoring down the stretch. The Grizzlies were the ones who were allowing the big men to score in the first half. But it was Jonas who took over and really showed his dominance inside last night, and he was a key reason as to why we won. But thankfully, the last thing also that really stood out was the fact that the Grizzlies, for the second straight game, they struggled from three. The Grizzlies in this game were 9 of 28, but the thing is is that they allowed only five threes from the Chicago Bulls, and a big reason for that success was that they limited Zach Levine to 5 of 14 from the field and 2 of 8 from 3. Arguably a top 10 score, obviously, in the NBA this year. The Grizzlies were able to limit him and overall were able to limit the Bulls' ability to shoot from 3. And though the Grizzlies struggled themselves, certainly not to the level where they had been, they showed that even without the 3 being there, they were able to defend the 3. So once again, getting back to the point that whenever the Grizzlies shoot the 3 well and defend the 3 well, that typically is going to correlate well with winning. But if they if they can at least do one of those things well, and tonight that was defending the three, another strength of theirs should emerge, and that was scoring 60 points in the paint as well while only allowing five threes to the Bulls. So yes, you certainly would love to see the Grizzlies win with their offense playing the way that it did earlier in April, but it's nice to see the Grizzlies win this way. This feels a lot like that Miami game in the middle of March where the Grizzlies had been coming off a couple of inexplicable losses, and then they beat Miami at their own game. Tonight, the Grizzlies played their own game. Good defense, good production inside, enough threes to support and balance out the offense just enough, but also being able to win late. A good victory for the Grizzlies. It's nice to have these victories where you can clearly see the Grizzlies were not up to their usual level, or at least the level that we had shown in early April. It's nice to see that even without that, the Grizzlies were able to beat a decent team in the Bulls, 101-90, to especially winning it late. But getting back to Zach Levine, the Grizzlies were able to contain him. Yes, he scored 21 points, but he certainly was not to the level that he had been for most of the season. That is a continuing trend this year for this Grizzlies defense. That's a lot of fun to see. Coming up, we'll look a bit closer at how the Grizzlies have been successful against some of the better scorers in the NBA this season. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sports. I will be hosting rooms for Locked On for the Locked On Grizzlies once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. And the thing about it is this, it's the perfect place for you to start or join conversations about the league, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, whatever sport you love, whatever athletes you cheer for or teams you cheer for. It's a great way for you to be able to expand 
your experience as a fan. And the thing is, is it doesn't matter at what level you want to do it. If you're someone who just likes to talk about sports, if you like to listen in on good conversations, if you just want to ask questions to some of your favorite athletes and sports personalities, or maybe you're someone who wants to, you know, start your opportunity as a sports content creator, it allows for you to advance, to advance your experience on all those levels. For me personally, I've met many great people, made some great connections, guests that I've had on this show. It has allowed for me to expand my opportunities as a content creator, whatever level of whatever level of being a sports fan you choose to be. Locker room will enhance that and make it easier for you to enjoy being a sports fan. Go and download the locker room app now. Currently available on all, on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever group for the latest league updates. Follow me at StatsSAC to be at Locked on Grizz to be notified when my room goes live. Locked on Grizzness, typically Thursday nights at 8. We will be updating what time we're going to have it this week. But make sure you don't want to miss getting in on the conversation on your favorite Grizzlies talk, but also getting in on any type of sports conversation that you would love to be a part of. The Locker Room app, changing the way we talk about sports. Go download the app today. We all know that time is here. As a matter of fact, I'm on vacation right now. The spring is here. Summer's right around the corner. It's time to be on the road, getting out and doing things, especially with you know for other reasons that made last year a challenge for all of us. Hopefully, getting better as time goes on. You may be you may be out and about more. Well, if you've experienced the past few months of crazy weather across the nation and the world, you may unfortunately have to deal with car repairs. And if that's the case, I've got the best place for you to go, and that's RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a wonderful place because with Within a few clicks of the button, you're going to find what you need, and it's likely that they're going to have what you need, regardless of the make and model or part that you're needing to replace. Whether you're someone like me who needs others to do repairs, you need to do you do repairs yourself, or you do it for others for a living. RockAuto.com is great because it allows for you to be able to find the things that you need at great prices. This is a family-owned business; they've been around for nearly uh, for over 20 years. They know that car parts typically fall out of budget, so they try to make things as economically feasible as possible. When you Visit rockauto.com today. Let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Overall this season, the Grizzlies have certainly shown that one of the identities of this team is good defense. And that's really encouraging to see from such a young team, now the youngest team in the league, is that they're hanging their hats when it comes to defense. It's led by several veterans. It's been led by Kyle Anderson. It's really gotten a boost when Justice Winslow came back, though unfortunately he's been out for now a good stretch, we know, with you know hip soreness. When he was playing, the depth that he provided certainly helped the defense out. Dylan Brooks obviously is is probably the leader of the defense with his energy and just overall his ability to limit the opposition. But overall, it's been the team defense and buying in to the concept of Taylor Jenkins that has really stood out. Now, it stood out for a few reasons. Number one, it's been good, obviously, because of how opportunistic this defense has been, especially with DeAnthony Melton in the lineup. You know, 
being you know towards the top of the league and at times leading the league this year when it comes to turnover per game. There's been some inconsistency with the defense when it comes to limiting threes. When the Grizzlies do limit the threes, that puts them in a very good position to win the game. It's a big boost to their ability to win. When they struggle defending the three, obviously it's hard for them to overcome unless they're shooting the three well, well themselves. But especially with Justice Winslow back when he's playing, this team has also shown an ability to really be able to limit some of the better talents around the league, which has helped them either win games or stay close in games against some of the better teams in the NBA. For instance, I talked about it at the 1st of March when the Grizzlies faced Bradley Beal and they were able to beat the Wizards in, in, in two, two times in an eight-day span. A big reason why is because they held Bradley Beal to, I believe, 14 of 39 from the field and 2 of 12 from 3. Obviously, he still scored his points, but it was nowhere near the level of effectiveness and efficiency that he had done during the season. In the game against the Denver Nuggets, in which the Grizzlies lost in the last second shot attempt by John Moran, the Grizzlies were able to stay in that game because they limited um, Jamal Murray to 1 of 14 foot to field and only three points, arguably the worst offensive game of his career. Well, the thing is, is that the Grizzlies are not necessarily shutting down some of the better scorers in the league when they face opposition, but they're at least continuing the trend that they've done all season in which they are doing a good job of not there. I don't necessarily, when you ask Coach Deacons if the team is focusing directly on these main stars, he'll never say directly that, yes, our main goal is to stop this guy. It's never that. He always compliments the, the full array of reasons that make a team good. But you can clearly tell that the Grizzlies do put an emphasis on not only focusing on stopping the uh, the opposing team's best scores, but they do it in a way that allows for them to be effective and keep everybody fresh, and that's throwing different looks at these scores. It worked in the first game of a back-to-back -back against the Clippers also, um, and I believe it was March, it may have been early February, it actually was early, late February, in which the Grizzlies were able to get two, a victory against the Clippers because they held Paul George for, and, and Kawhi Leonard from 9-26 to for the field. When the Grizzlies are doing a good job of limiting their opposition's better scoring, especially the better scoring wings, it puts them in a better position to win, or at least have a chance to win against some of the NBA's best talents. Just look at this recently over the past few games. Against Zach Levine last night, they held him to 5 of 14 from the field and 2 for 8 from 3. Now, he still scored 21 points, but he was nowhere near, obviously, the level that we had seen him, especially considering the fact that coming into last night's game, he had scored 80 points in the previous two contests. So the Grizzlies did a really good job of making Levine have to work for all his points. Against the New York Knicks, though they lost, the Grizzlies held an all-star, Julius Randle, to 4 of 12 from the field at one of two for three. Now, to Randall's credit, he had a triple-double in that game and really produced late. He eventually found a way to break through, and that's why he's had such a great season. But overall, the Grizzlies, in a game they should have won, a big reason why they should have won it is because they limited the Knicks' best player. Against the Hawks, uh, in, in the game before the Knicks, the Grizzlies held Trey Young, one of the better scorers in the league, to six of 17 from the field and over four from three. Before that, they held Ben Simmons to two of six from the field and seven points over overall. It's the continued trend from this Grizzlies team where they're yes, they're going to create turnovers and they're going to create extra possessions through their defense, allowing for their defense to lead to good offense, but another thing that they're consistently doing is that they are doing a good job of limiting the other their opposition's best scoring options on most nights. Now, you'll get some nights where the Grizzlies will, you know, they're they're they're, go they're prone to, you know, at times just like any defense is, into, you know, if you're playing a great player 
player, sometimes those great players are just going to be great. You know, the, the what I call one of the biggest inexplicable losses of the season against the Oklahoma City Thunder in March. A big reason why is because Shea Gilgis-Alexander, one of the brightest stars in the league, he really stepped up as being a big, big key to that victory because he had a good game. The other night against the Heat, the Grizzlies won the game, but both Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo had very productive nights from the field. So yes, very good players to great players are going to still have good nights against the Grizzlies. That's what makes them great. But on any given night, the numbers show that the Grizzlies, more often than not, are going to do a good job of at least limiting the opposition's best scoring options to give themselves a chance to win. A lot of times, the the best way for the Grizzlies to overcome not having an elite scoring or shot creator by themselves is by limiting the opposition's shot creator from taking over a game. Though they don't have a call, though they though they don't have an answer for players like Karis Levert, it seems so far this year. Overall, against some of the better talents such as Jamal Murray, Trey Young. Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, um, you know, De'Aaron Fox in, in, in March, in, in, or excuse me, in February, and obviously Bradley Beal early in March, the Grizzlies have done a great job of containing these elite scores to put themselves in a chance to win and allow for their offense to find ways to get a victory. So that's the thing about this Grizzlies defense that continues to really impress. It's not just that for any one reason. It's ranked high in terms of its ability this season. It's that it's gaining depth and gaining ways. It's gaining layers to its success. It started off with being able to create turnovers and having that lead to offense. Now it's getting better at defending the three and also the continued trend of really being able to limit some of the better scores in the NBA. But while good defense correlates well, with what the Grizzlies do, obviously. How does what each of the starters do will correlate with the Grizzlies' ability to win? Coming up, I'm going to talk a bit more about that and why that's been an important part of the formula for the Grizzlies' success so far in April. It's another exciting weekend when it comes to sports. The crazy thing is, is that it didn't even involve any of the big four sports when it comes to hockey, basketball, baseball, or um, football. Yes, don't get me wrong. Several games from three of those leagues, at least, were a big reason for you know a lot of fun over the weekend. But the big reason for you know if you wager and better in betting on sports for this being a big weekend was because of other things. WrestleMania, when it comes to the WWE, the Masters, UFC events, a lot of different sports are going on, even with football in our rearview mirror and March Madness as well. Two of the bigger reasons why fans love to bet on sports. But if you're someone who just loves to bet on sports in general and it adds to your experience as a fan, I've got the one place that has you covered. And that is betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use the promo code LOCKEDON, either through your computer or mobile device, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit betonline.ag today. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked on NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of, uh, in full coverage four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked on NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Coming up on tomorrow's episode, so we've seen a lot of conversation recently because of ESPN's top 25 under 25 rankings when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, we'll go over where ESPN ranked the Grizzlies, especially John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., how it's a bit disappointing to see where they ranked, but I'm going to give my own opinion of things as well. Not saying that's better than anybody else's, but I think it's pretty in tune with what is going on in today's league with the young players that have come into the league over the past few years, and I'm going to look at it in a couple of different ways. Number one, going to look at how, we, uh, if you were to redraft the 2019 draft, how would the top 10 players go? I'm going to look at that in the first segment. In the second segment, I'm going to discuss, based off this top 25 out of 25 list, where, how did Jaw and Jaron rank? You know, what seems to make sense and what may not make the most sense when it comes to these rankings, and not necessarily from where ESPN ranked them, but just in general, why I think Jaw Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. may have begun to start being a bit underrated when it comes to today's discussions about the best young players in the league. We'll have both the 2019 redraft and my reaction to the top 25 under 25 from ESPN on tomorrow's episode, along with a preview of the game against the Mavericks. But for the but to wrap up this show today, I wanted to talk about another trend that really is emerging when it comes to the Grizzlies' production in April. And we talk about the fact that the defense has played well. We talk about the fact that the Grizzlies are shooting better from three and defending the three. All those things certainly go into the equation. But the other thing that I mentioned, and I've asked several of the players about this, they they have stated that the starters, Jonas, Kyle, Dylan, Grayson, and Jaw, when Grayson has been able to play, the thing that they've said is, is that their chemistry is really coming together. It's really starting to emerge like it was in the first half of the season when, in several instances, the Grizzlies got off to great starts because the starting lineup played so well to start the game. But a big difference between now and then is that this Grizzlies starting lineup is starting to play better, not just in the first quarter, but in the full segment of games, or in the, over the full game in the month of April. But the reason why they're playing so well together, is because several of the things that these starters do well, they're playing to their strengths. And so when they play to their strengths, it's good to see how well they're gelling together because overall, obviously, when a player plays to his strengths, it should typically correlate with the, the, his team's ability to win. And that certainly is the case when it comes to the Grizzlies. But just how well do each of our starter strengths correlate with winning? When they do what they do best, what does it mean for the Grizzlies' chances to win? Well, here's what I looked at. When it comes to Jonas Valanciunas, obviously setting the record for most consecutive double-doubles in Grizzlies franchise history last night, he's had 19 double-doubles on the season. The Grizzlies are 19-20 and 20 this season when he gets a double-double. Now, that's not in any way, shape, or form to try to water down Jonas's individual accomplishments, it certainly plays a part in the Grizzlies' ability to rebound and ability to have an inside presence. But it also shows that the double-double itself is just not that influential on winning. You know, there's other factors that have to go into it. But the key to take away from this is that the Grizzlies are at a, around a 500 record when Jonas gets a double-double. When Jaw gets eight or more assists this season, which, you know, he came off last night getting 10 assists. He became only the third Grizzlies player last night to have 10 or more assists at least 10 times in a season, two different times in his career. And so that was a big accomplishment, especially with how young he is. But this year, when Jaw gets eight or more assists, the Grizzlies are 13 and eight. When Dylan gets 20 or more points, 
in a game. You know, we talked about it last year, how fun that was to correlate. It shows that when Dylan gets 20 or more points, he is contributing as being a scoring source that the Grizzlies do need at times. And it's also showing that he's typically good from the field. This year, Dylan has scored 20 or more points 16 times. The Grizzlies are 10 and 6. Kyle Anderson who has kind of stepped back into a supporting role. We talked about in the first half of the season how well he did stepping up as a scoring option, stepping up in different ways to really excel in whatever, you know, role he needed to fit. Well, now it's contributing across the board. This season, in games in which Kyle Anderson has got at least five assists, five rebounds, and two or more steals, the Grizzlies are 8-3. and three. And when it comes to Grayson Allen, obviously his calling card is shooting the three. Well, this year he certainly is doing it in a more consistent basis. He's been able to shoot to make four more threes in nine games this season, and the Grizzlies are six and three. So whenever these starters are doing what is comes best to them, Jonas getting the double double, Jaw getting you know his assists. Dylan getting 20 or more points, Kyle contributing across the board, and Grayson shooting the threes. As you can see, the Grizzlies are either significantly above 500 when four out of the five starters do what they do best, or Jonas is right at 500 when he does what he does best. Now, that's no surprise. Obviously, if your starters are doing what they do best, that typically is going to correlate with winning. But the key for the Grizzlies in April is that each of these starters are consistently reaching these good thresholds that correlate with winning game by game. That's been the key so far in April. It's not that Kyle gets his across-the-board production and Dylan gets his 20 points while JV and Jaw struggle, or that Jaw gets his eight assists while JV and, 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 and Dylan you know, struggle to score. It's that all five starters are consistently doing these things that they do well night in and night out, and that's what allowed, has allowed for the Grizzlies to play such good basketball. In the month of April so far, let's look at how they correlate. Jonas is averaging 22 points and 13 rebounds. He's doing his part when it comes to the double-doubles. Dylan Brooks is averaging 18 points a game. On any given night, he's getting 18 to 20 points a game. Obviously, that means that he is becoming more consistent as a scorer. 47.5% from the field, 50% from three. Obviously, he's becoming a more effective scorer. That correlates well with the Grizzlies' ability to win. So far in the month of April, John Morant, he has struggled. 7.1 assists per game, but that is right around his consistent average of getting 7.5 to 8 assists per night. So he's finding ways, like last night where he struggled to shoot from the field, he is finding ways to be able to still contribute with 10 assists, and that was big, especially in the fourth quarter. Grayson Allen, he's averaging 2.73s per game and making 36% of them. But the key is, is that here recently in the month of March and the month of April, Grayson, you know, I was mentioning that he made four threes nine times this year. That's actually six or seven of those times have actually occurred over the past few weeks, which has really helped with the Grizzlies' ability to win. So that is showing that Grayson is becoming more consistent in finding his shot. And for the month of April, Kyle Anderson is averaging 6.7 rebounds, 4.9 assists, and 2.1 steals. Again, showing that he is consistently meeting the across-the-board production. Only 12 points per game for Kyle. He's taken a step back, though he is shooting decently from three. Still is shooting 43, 40% from three in the month of April. But again, nearly seven rebounds per game, five assists per game, and two steals. He's finding ways to contribute without having to score. So that's the big thing that comes from this Grizzlies 
starting lineup getting more consistent. And the big key overall is this. Once again, they've expanded their ability to contribute from just in the first quarter to the full game. And so when this Grizzlies team is doing what it does best, as we're as we've seen example of in April, it typically is because the starting lineup is well in tune, the chemistry is showing, and they're playing well off each other. And that really has proven to be true in the month of April. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Again, you can find myself at Stats SAC. The show at Locked on Grizz, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, wherever you choose to listen to your podcast, that's where we will be. Again, coming up tomorrow, I'm going to discuss how would we redraft the top 10 players of the 2019 draft, and again, why I think the John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. may be a bit underrated when it comes to today's young stars, as well as previewing the game against the Dallas Mavericks. Hope you have a great Tuesday. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.